Welcome to the Rekindling Ministries podcast series. This is episode 3.02, which is part two of the scripture mm-hmm. uh, here in the uh, the unpacking season. My name is Shannon Kirkpatrick, and I am the founder of Rekindling Ministries. And my name is Zach Rios, and I'm a student at Liberty University studying youth ministry and pastoral leadership. All right, so we are following up part two from last, last episode's part one. This one will not be two hours. Uh, this will <laughs> nope. be, be a lot short. This one could be two hours. It, it very uh, well could be, yes. Yeah. So a year ago, we had actually did a workshop. Uh, we did a two-part workshop um, on this stuff. And so all these notes came from that that workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, thing, um, hopefully, we, I can actually upload these documents so that w- when you're on Podbean, you can actually download them so you can follow along with all the all the details <laughs> and such. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, so we were basing it on that. And so the, the first episode was what is Scripture and why is it so interesting or why, why should you study it? Mm-hmm. This episode is more about the, the how, uh, one can, the different approaches one can take in studying Scripture. Yeah, because we're hoping from the last episode you realize that there is something special about Scripture. Mm-hmm. It's unique. There's really something worth looking into. And so now we're moving on to hopefully the logical conclusion of that. Okay, so if it is so important, how do I actually look into it and study it? Yeah, so we're going to give you a quick recap of the of the last episode. Then we're going to go through three different approaches that you can take to Scripture. Then we're going to give you a list of a bunch of different resources that will help you with this, mm-hmm. and, then, and then we're going to wrap up. So just as a reminder from the last episode, it's important to see the Bible for what it really is. It's a compilation of 66 books split into two great sections— penned by more than 40 different writers, including farmers, fishermen, doctors, magistrates, holy men, and royalty, writing historical narrative, dialogues, poetry, prophecies, teaching, and more from at least nine different countries over approximately 1,600 years in three specifically uh, defined languages, all centered around the coming and mission of one man. Yeah, and the book is quite complicated, and so what we did is we looked at different things like the origins of the text, the accuracy of its transmission and translation, how we got it today. Uh, We did a snapshot of what it contains. We uh, looked at different things such as the historical timeline and went through that, seeing that it's real people and real history. Uh, looked into the original languages and some of the structure of that, the cultural context. We looked at some different examples of prophecy. And then just really that whole overarching theme that Jesus is Lord and you need to really decide what you're going to do about that truth. Uh, and so just the bottom line conclusion that we came to is that we should accept the infallibility, authority, and transformative power of God's Word. And, if, and this takes a while to get there, but mm-hmm. as you're getting there and you are, are, are concluding that, you're going to begin to apply the details of the Scripture to the details of your life, and that will impact you greatly. It's going to offer wonder and transformation, resiliency and endurance. Uh, it'll equip you and train you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll offer you wisdom, hope and encouragement. It'll give you rest. It'll help you find significance, and it, it'll tell you all about the eternal life that's, that's coming. And so going back to that, that Uxbury quote that we yeah. always talk about, last, the last two-hour episode was more about the ocean awe mm-hmm. of just being intrigued with Scripture. This is more about the boat building mm-hmm. and, and how one goes about doing that. Um, and, and one thing that, that we are not going to discuss um, in this episode is the various ways of interpretation, different doctrines and theological variances and debates. Mm-hmm. It's a hot topic, but th- throughout the rest of the season, as we're going through each of the actual specific unpacking concepts, mm-hmm. we can actually discuss here's the different theologies or doctrines on it, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So those won't be covered uh, today. So having said that, we want to go ahead and dive into the, uh, the first method. 
And this first method actually comes from Larry Crabb uh, in a book that he wrote called 66 Love Letters. Um, it's one of the, like, five books I recommend every person read. You know, a lot of books you wouldn't recommend everybody read because it's, it's just a certain genre mm-hmm. or topic, whatever. It's, to me, 66 Love Letters can be for anybody. Um, and so I would found out about it in a bookstore. The, the owner or the, one of the employees had recommended it. And so I read it. And basically, uh, long story short, and, and it resonated with me because I'll tell you a story that will help explain this. When I was in high school— uh, way back in the you know <laughs> '90s, um, I went to a, a summer camp um, in, in, there in Illinois. I grew up in Illinois, and I had one of those summer camp crushes, uh, Christina, and um, it was this awesome little deal. We both, you know, I can't say we we're in love, but there was definitely an attraction, definitely an interest. Mm-hmm. But she lived in in Kankakee, and I lived in in East Peoria. This was before cell phones and emails and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we exchanged addresses, and we just wrote each other letters. And um, and so I, I still have those letters to this day. I still keep in touch. She's married with a family in Chicago, mm-hmm. and you know, doing well. Um, but we'd write th- these letters to each other, and so every couple of weeks, I'd get a letter from her in, in the mailbox, and it was color coded and stickers were on it, that kind of deal. And I'd get so excited when I got that letter, or if yeah. I got home from class and the mailbox was empty, I'd be all dejected and, and depressed that I had to wait another day, <laughs> right? Uh, and then when I got the letter, she could be, she, I think she worked at TCBY Yogurt. She could talk about the yo- yogurt or talk about the nails that she it didn't care what she talked about. I wanted to read it and reread it and reread it because mm-hmm. this girl was amazing, right? And so Larry Crabb talks about this. He had a similar experience with his you know, high school sweetheart. Yep. And so he says he realized that the Bible is 66 love letters from God. Why don't we read it that way? Yeah. Why don't we get super excited when we read Leviticus, you know, or we, we read the genealogies and that kind of deal? And that really hit me, right? So the purpose of the book, the way he, the way he did it was <clears throat> each chapter was just a short chapter on one of the books of the Bible. And it took him, I think, a couple of years to actually to write it. But he would read a book of the Bible um, over a period of time and, and, and just pray continually about it. And I really yeah. love the way him and God talk in prayer. Um, it's an, we'll do a, unpacking a prayer and kind of it's a rabbit trail we won't go down on, but I really enjoy it. And so it's, so each chapter is a conversation between him and God about that book mm-hmm. and him being like, what in the world am I supposed to get from Leviticus? How is this a love letter <laughs> to get excited about? Right. And then, and then God saying, well, well, this is what I want you to get from that. And he's like, well, how in the world do I get that from this? And then he would highlight a couple points from the book. Right. So anyways, it's, it's I, I, I circled that book, underlined it, you know, dog earmarked the pages. I mean, just mm-hmm. an amazing book. Well, at the end, in the final chapter, uh, it's a couple pages long, and it's 66 paragraphs. And so each paragraph is a summary of the chapter on the book of the Bible, mm-hmm. as if God was writing to Larry Crabb and a message that he wanted to hear. I was fascinated with this. It, yeah. it told this amazing story. So what I did was I, I read it through a second time. It took me two-plus years to do this, and I did the same thing. Instead of a paragraph, I did a sentence. So I would, I would read a book of the Bible, like Genesis, pray over it, read Larry Crabb's books and notes on it. I had other commentaries and other notes and read all that. Mm-hmm. And I would come up with, in one sentence, what do I feel God is trying to tell me from this book? Obviously, each book has more than that. Yeah. But what's like the big one kind of jumping out at me? And then I would memorize it as I was doing all this as I went into the next book. So over almost three years... I read through the entire book of the all the books of the Bible, wrote a one sentence summary of each, and then memorized them. And I found that they actually do tell a story. So what I'm going to do for you right now is I'm going to have Zach like just introduce each book, yep. and then I'm going to that way you can kind of keep track of, of where I'm getting all this. And then I'm going to give you the one sentence summary as if God was speaking to me and what I was hearing from that book, and just listen to the story that it tells. Starting with Genesis. I have a plan for you that you're going to have a tendency to draw away from. Exodus. But I will complete my plan. 
Leviticus. And that plan is to make you holy, make you complete. Numbers. Now, realize that it is a painful process for both you and I. Deuteronomy. But I am 100% committed and in. Are you? Joshua. If you are, you need to root out your internal enemies. Judges. If you do this, I'm going to reward you. If you don't do it, I'm going to get your attention. Ruth. And this is what my committed, loyal love to you is all about. This is the plan that I have for you. First and second Samuel. Now remember, this is so much more about internal character, more than external attributes. First and second Kings. And know that most of the world will not pursue this change in process of transformation. First and second Chronicles. But for those that do, there's a commonality, a theme. They're in awe of me, and they passionately study my word. Ezra. They are in awe of me, and they obey my word. Nehemiah. And they build the wall or task that I give them. Esther. If you do this, I will be working behind the scenes to help you the entire time. Job. Again, it is a painful, sacrificial process, so get ready for it and trust me the entire time. Psalms. And get emotional. Rejoice, cry out, praise, submit, trust, find contentment and peace. Proverbs. Get intellectual. Use my wisdom in navigating through these trials. Ecclesiastes. Remembering that my wisdom doesn't always make sense on the human level. Song of Songs. And know that a passionate relationship with your spouse, your partner in crime, if you have one, will go a long way. Isaiah. So let me say this again. Prepare to get slapped, then hugged. I'm getting your attention, and I'm giving you hope and strength. Jeremiah. I'm going to repeat this. Prepare to get slapped, then hugged. I'm getting your attention, and I'm giving you hope and strength. Lamentations. I want you to lament your proclivity and tendency to sin. Ezekiel. I want you to be in awe of my majesticness. Daniel. If you do this, I've got your back and I'll protect you. Hosea. And know that even when you stray from me, I will not stray from you. I am faithful. Joel. So please strive to be faithful to me. Amos. Which can only be done by getting intentional and not cutting corners. Obadiah. Because remember, no one gets away with anything in the end. All will be held accountable. All will be made right. Jonah. Now listen, when I do call you to a tough task, do it and don't complain. Micah. Because tough tasks and brokenness are a part of the process. Nahum. And I will be with you, fighting for you the entire way. Habakkuk. So persevere and endure. Zephaniah. Go deep in your relationship with me. Haggai. Build the temple or task that I give to you. Zechariah. Wait excitedly for me to return. Malachi. And don't cut corners or stay shallow as you wait. Become more and more complete. Matthew. I have returned, and I am changing all the rules about how you are to relate to people. Mark. It's all about sacrifice and service in love. Luke. I've set the perfect example of what such a complete person looks like, so emulate me. John. And let me divinely enable and empower you to do these beautiful things. X. Be united with each other as you spread my good news and establish my kingdom. Romans. Be united with each other as you wrestle through how incredible I am and my plans. 1 Corinthians. Be united with each other as you work through your shortcomings and weaknesses. 2 Corinthians. Be light in the darkness. Galatians. If you walk in step with my spirit, you will be freed to love all fully. Ephesians. Be united as you remain in awe of my incredible plan. Philippians. Emulate me and do exactly as I do. Submit to me, love others truly, and change the world. Colossians. There are specific expectations that I have for your attitude and action as you mature spiritually. 
First Thessalonians. Get excited when you see others spiritually mature. Second Thessalonians. Be united with each other and ready for a tough end to this prologue and endure through it. First Timothy. There are specific expectations I have for your attitude and actions as you mature spiritually. Second Timothy. Endure and remain joyful through the tough challenges of becoming a complete person. Titus. There are, again, specific expectations I have for your attitude and actions as you mature spiritually. Philemon. Forgive and restore. Hebrews. I, Jesus, am the key to all of this. Look on me, trust in me, take strength in me, and emulate me. James. In very practical ways, I mean it. First Peter. Hold tightly to hoping in me, submit to one another, and persevere through trials as you do this. Second Peter. Mature in your faith until I return. First John. Remain in me and step up and love everyone. Second John. I'll keep it simple. Love me and walk in my teachings. Third John. Again, be faithful in loving others. Jude. Continually build up your faith, remain in my love, and have mercy on others. Revelation. I have returned. I'm sorting everything out. I'm making everything right. The prologue is done. The real story now begins. And it's really cool as you're listening through that. You can see the progression of the story of the gospel go through the entire Uh, just the entire Bible. And so what this really does is it allows you to have an overview of the story that God's telling and just that overview narrative. Uh, And it also can be really encouraging when you are um, just needing some encouragement. You can look at your summaries and say, okay, Lord, what are you trying to tell me in all of these books? And then how can I really begin to apply that to my own life? Because it just allows you to have that deeper intimacy with God as you actually figure out what his word tells you. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you if you don't know what the Bible says and you're unfamiliar with just all the concepts and you just see the genealogies as a list of things and, and Ecclesiastes as a book that you don't really understand, then you really lose out on a lot of what God's trying to tell you through every piece of scripture that's been given to us. Yeah. And then... As you go through this, if you do it in a community, it can really just build a tight bond and intimacy that uh, a lot of these books talk about needing to have within the body of Christ. Yeah, and one thing I'll say on that, so this, so I, you know, I did this a couple years ago. My community group that meets on Thursday nights now, we're now doing this as a group. Mm-hmm. And so we started about a year and a half ago. We did Genesis, and then we did Job, you know, the first two. Then we jumped to the end, did Revelation, so we could bookend it. And now we're in Exodus, and we're kind of mm-hmm. going back through again. And so it's going to take us 45 years because, yeah. you know, just slower. Um, but I'm finding, even as I read through, I'm seeing those same points I saw the first time and other points. Mm. So it's even changing a little bit different for me the second time, but all still adding up, right? And it's kind of cool watching them each come up with their sentence. And so just a big shout out to Larry Crabb if he's ever listening to this or if any of his staff members are, they can kind of pass this message on. That book rocked my world. Mm. Um, And and I had long not always known exactly how to go about studying scripture. And then we we talk about the second one here in a second, um, which is is the main one, which I've always had used. But getting to do this approach as well just took on a whole new life for me. I I was amazed at at that story that it was telling, like like you were mentioning. I really, really enjoy this approach. Mm -hmm. And so we were we're not going to go into the how of all that. The short answer is you read through a, a book of the Bible, how long ever it takes you to read through it, read some commentary, read some other articles on it, pray, let God kind of begin to speak to you, mm-hmm. and then come up with a one-sentence summary as if God is speaking to you yeah. and what he would say he wants you to know from this book. And I'm sure a lot of those details can also be found if you read through Larry Crabb's book, right. uh, how, yep. to actually, how to actually go about that process. And so that's one approach that's a little more artistic and trying to figure Mm -hmm. out like summary overview type 
views of scripture. Um, but this second approach is probably something that you've heard, you, you may have heard described before. Um, this is the, just your traditional hermeneutic approach to understanding the text, the art and science of that. Uh, and it's important to note as we try and cite our sources and all that, that a lot of this comes from um, classes at Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary and Liberty University. Um, and so shout out to Dr. Purser. Yep. And Dr. Fowler, who taught my undergrad class on this. But uh, it's really just going through and studying a certain book of the Bible or I mean, really even a section within a book versus individual words. And you're just methodology. Wow, I can't. I can't pronounce words today, <laughs> but you're just uh, working through the individual verses of the text in order to figure out what the meaning of the passage is and how to actually apply that. And I mean, honestly, this could take you anywhere from a decade to a couple decades to actually work through the entirety of Scripture yeah. going through this way. And one thing I want to say before we get into like kind of the mechanics of how this would work, all the different steps you can take, mm-hmm. um, it's always important to keep the proper mindset and attitude. And this would really apply for all the approaches, yeah, all but I'll just say it now. Um, you really want to be committed to Christ as Lord. You mm-hmm. want to recognize that he is the master. If you haven't done that yet, you can still study Scripture, but it's the commitment to him that begins to let the Bible take a life of its own. Yeah. Um, you need intentionality. You need humility. You need reverence. There should really be this utter prayerful dependence on the Holy Spirit for the illumination and confirmation of what it means. Um, you know, be teachable and moldable. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. I know. I know something that my professors have said on that is what the mindset that you should have as you walk into studying Scripture is assume that you're wrong about whatever you're about to study. <laughs> right, uh, right. So just walk in with that level of humility that whatever my preconceived notion is, it's probably incorrect or and distorted then, or incomplete. Yeah, yeah, and so then you can try and work on stripping that away to just really be humble as you approach the text. Uh, I've also found passion and love are very helpful. Mm-hmm. That you don't want to take just a high intellect approach to Scripture. Yeah. That that passion and love goes a long way in helping you understand. It. Now, you do also do want to be rational and, and methodical within limits mm-hmm. in that approach. And you'd already mentioned this, but you want to do it with a community of other believers near and far, right? Yeah. And so there's a lot of different details that all go into this approach. And so what we're going to do is just kind of rapidly go through some of the different components that work together in order to determine the meaning of the text. And so it can really just begin to touch both your mind, your intellect, and your heart and emotions. Mm -hmm. And so the first one is we need to figure out what the historical context and the background of the book and letter is. So we need to figure out who the original audience was, uh, what was going on in that culture. And that really helps us to see how real all of it is. And this lets us have the original worldview and we need to make that primary over our 21st century worldview. Mm-hmm. And so as you're understanding the historical context and background, the second thing you want to do is, wh- what is the writer intending to say or explain? So as you as you read through that passage or that book, um, what is the and, and let the plain sense take priority on mm-hmm. this, right? What, what is the main point or points that the writer's trying to make? Yep. And then also we need to figure out how is the writer communicating? And so this is really the nuance of his words and his style. And so there's a couple different components of this. First, the literary context. And so what I mean by that is what genre is this? Mm-hmm. Is this a book of poetry like Psalms or is this uh, a narrative? Is the, There's just a lot of different contexts and you read it differently depending on what genre you're reading. Just like we do normally. Mm-hmm. You read poetry different than you read an uh, instruction manual. Right. Uh, and then also you want to look for word choice like nouns, verbs, pronouns, literal or is it allegorical, figures of speech. Uh, typologies? Is it a prophecy? Is this a list? Is there repetition? That can be really important to figure out what's going on. And then 
also. And real quick, I'll say on that yeah. one. Because as you're paying attention, oh, he used a noun here instead of a verb. Or, oh, he, in this section, the author is contrasting two different things. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, this this keeps getting repeated. When you actually pay attention to some of the grammar that's going on, yeah. it'll help you better understand. Yeah. And just a quick example of that, like in 1 Corinthians, when you read that through in the English, it looks like it's a bunch of adjectives. But actually, when you look into the Greek, all of those words are verbs, and they're verbs that are present imperative. And so that means you have to continuously be applying all Mm, of those things. And so it moves beyond be nice to people to actively work to serve them. And that just brings a whole nother depth to the actual understanding of what the text is trying to say. And then also just looking at specific vocabulary. And so like, what are the original roots of each of these words? Uh, But also it's worth mentioning that you do need to um, put some trust in translations. There are really smart, dedicated men and women that have been working to figure out what these original languages mean. And it's worth trusting them and reading their insights. Uh, and then also paying attention to modern definitions, and but really focusing on the biblical dictionaries, mm-hmm. uh, such as the Strong's Concordance, and recognizing the Hebrew and Greek words. Often they can mean multiple things. They have a range of meanings that they have. And so you need to look at the context. That's probably the most important word that I got out of my hermeneutics classes. Context, 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 context. context. Yeah. Uh, and so, and also just noting the literal definitions and then what's more of a conceptual connotation. So, so as you're going through this more traditional hermeneutical approach that you're going to see in a lot of like Bible teaching churches and their Sunday morning mm-hmm. process and et cetera, you know, you know, first question is what's the historical context background going on? Second question, what is the writer intending to, to say or explain? Yeah. Third question is how is he communicating that with his word choices and styles? The fourth question is, and then what does the audience understand from this? So if I was, if I was in that audience, if yeah, I was one of the first audience. people, the original audience that he was actually writing to, um, how would I receive it? What would have been my takeaway from this yeah and then also just how does this individual thing fit into the greater canon of scripture and so that's not just saying take out one verse and compare it to uh the bible which i mean it does mean that but it also goes deeper than that because you want to look at the one specific verse and you want to see what it means with the verses around it and then the paragraphs around it and then the whole book Mm-hmm. And then you want to see, okay, what does that mean in the scope of the New Testament? What does that mean in the scope of the Old and New Testament? Mm-hmm. As you go through, it's really important to not isolate things so true. because the authors are speaking to specific audiences for specific purposes, and that much of the New Testament is letters. So they're addressing something really specific, and we, we talk so much about the complexity of Scripture. And if you only pick one verse and make that your... Uh, I refer to them as hallmark verses. You put it on the card and that's what you (laughs) use for sending to people. You really miss out on the multifaceted nature of the text and you just get a simplistic definition of what it actually is. Yeah, and so it's important that you want to take the Bible and its comprehensiveness and take that God perspective. Mm-hmm. So you always want to let the things that you know of God's character and plans to, to help you uh, interpret or understand yeah. the text. Uh, in general, you want to let the clear passages influence mm-hmm. the difficult ones, yep. and you want to let the repeated passages influence the one-time passages. Yep. Um, and, and so the, the passages that are—the the, the truths and concepts and such that are mentioned more frequently and that are mentioned in a more— clear fashion. Let them have more weight than the random occasional verse that can be mm-hmm. kind of confusing to go by. Um, and because because the Bible will never contradict itself, yeah. um, though it fully <laughs> embraces nuances and tensions yep. and qualifications and, and all that. So, so all of that is going to help you really get to understand what any given passage or book uh, of the Bible is saying. Mm-hmm. 
And then it's key in this hermeneutical approach, application, that it's not about just information, it's about transformation, yes, as my yep. Pastor Andrew always says. And so you want to, as you're, as you're coming to grips and grasping what that passage or Bible or verse or book is saying, you want to discover the application of that text for you today. So you want to recognize and be flexible with your own presuppositions and conclusions, your own pre-understandings and notions. This is what you were mentioning earlier. Mm-hmm. We all bring our own ide- ideology and lenses and values and mythology and metho- methodology and attitudes and information yeah. to the text, and that will influence. And you want to, you can't always eliminate that, but you at least want to recognize it. Yeah. You want to know what is the traditional understanding of the text, ancient and current, such as from commentary and church and mm-hmm. sermons. You want to identify the specific and detailed principles and applications in the text for the original audience. Yep. So what was the writer wanting them to take away from this and how they want to apply it? You want to identify the universal general principles in the text for the church throughout history mm-hmm. that's not necessarily culturally or situationally bound. And then you can determine how these principles apply to you today, and then you can determine what the specific application is for your life, both overall and in the moment, and go do it, right? Act, act out on it. Yeah. Um, and then another, so then, and one other side note I'll mention with this, I, I really, and, and you'll see this as we go through this whole season, mm-hmm. I want us to embrace unity in the midst of diversity. Mm-hmm. We're going to continually come back to that in, in this season, because... Zach and I think a lot alike, but we yeah. have our diverse opinions as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that the readers are going to have a lot of diverse opinions. Yeah. Um, and we, and we, we never want uniformity to be the goal, but we do want unity in the midst of the diversity mm-hmm. to be the goal, that we're always still loving each other. So we're going to have different interpretations and different applications, but we want to be drenched in that unified love, patience, and trust yeah. um, to keep moving as a body in the, in the right direction. Yeah, and I remember uh, my youth pastor actually did a sermon on unity despite diversity. And uh, the main illustration that he used is he was talking about music. And he was saying, if you listen to music, uh, you don't want it to be all the same. True. You don't want 20 instruments to all play the same note. You want them to have a chorus of diversity uh, because there's value and there's beauty in that when they're all working together. Yeah. If you have, but then it gets interesting because if you have two instruments that are playing um, and they're contradicting each other and they're not in tune and they're just not cooperating, it'll sound like a train wreck Mm -hmm. because it is. But there's really just something beautiful about the diversity that we find in Scripture and embracing that together. And so that's really one of the results of this approach is seeing the beauty of uh, Scripture and how different people uh, see different emphases in it. It's not that the Bible means different things to different people or we don't want to go too far that direction. Right. Um, But we do want to recognize that intelligent people have different opinions on different parts of the text. Mm -hmm. And they have gotten there because of their own theological systems and whatever. Um, But they're not just going through and proof texting and trying to grab random verses like they've actually thought through this and we need to be humble enough to say you might be right about this i might be right about this but we can still have fellowship Mm -hmm. and so that's one of the results of this approach it really this really lets you dive deep into specific passages and really just get into the nuance of everything um that on appreciation and when you do this with another person it's amazing how just how tight of a bond you can have as you systematically work through scripture. You're bouncing ideas back and forth. Well, what does this mean? What does this mean? Why did he use this word here and this word here? Why didn't he use this word? Like as you get into the details, it's amazing the community that can be formed. And I also just want to make a quick note that um, 
we don't want to miss the forest for the trees as we study. Right. And this is part of why we said earlier that uh, you want to make sure you keep it in context of the book and the entirety of scripture. But I, I think it's worth mentioning specifically that you don't want to dive so deep into the, you don't want to dive so deep into scripture that you lose sight of everything else around it mm-hmm. for one specific little detail. Mm-hmm. And so that's just something that I wanted to throw in there. That yeah. was for free. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, so then a third approach that you can take is the unpacking approach, mm-hmm. which back in episode 3.00, we kind of went through the entire process of all that. And so where the, the, the love letter approach is trying to get like an overall or one big key takeaway from each book in this kind of artistic, inspiring fashion. Mm-hmm. And then the hermeneutical traditional approach is getting down to the nitty gritty in each passage and understanding the context and what it means in yeah. application. What the, the third one does is some people might call this, um, what have I always heard, like the... Um, uh, I'm blanking in the moment here, but like there's there's the traditional you, you go passage by passage or topical, mm-hmm. exegetical versus topical. Yeah, some call this a topical approach, um, and they and they call that disdainingly. I'm a huge fan of this approach. I'm a huge fan of all three. Um, but the 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 this is the more topical where you pick some concept and then you look through the entirety of scripture yeah. and find every relevant verse you can find. On that passage and, be, and being aware of the con- context within each one, right? Mm-hmm. And then what's the picture that paints? That's what this whole third season of Rekindling Podcast is all about. Yeah. And so just a quick reminder. So so you're, you're picking some concept. You're trying to go both deep and comprehensive to see what the Bible has to say about it completely. That's like you've mentioned, you, you don't want to hyper-focus on any, just one passage. Because mm-hmm. that you, you may have an accurate understanding of that passage, but that's an incomplete understanding yep. of what the Bible has to say across the board. So, so that's what we do in this third approach is taking a topic or a concept and then looking all throughout Scripture mm-hmm. and, and compiling what, what we learn about it. And so in, in those unpackings, there's four key questions that we that we try to answer, which we'll do in each of these coming episodes. Yep. But so, so what is this concept? According to this comprehensive study, how might I define it accurately according to Scripture, mm-hmm. right? Letting the Bible paint the picture it wants to paint. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second question is, how does it work? Like, like what prerequisites are there or what will help me acquire it? Um, once I acquire it, how do I use it? How, how does it actually play out in action? The third question is, and then what does it result in? What are the benefits or motivations to pursuing this concept? Mm-hmm. Um, what, 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 how will God be benefited? How will others be benefited? How will I be benefited if I actually take this seriously? And then the fourth question is the application question, just mm-hmm. like with the second one. Um, how does this actually affecting my life, this concept, in a very real way? And what little baby step or big step yeah. do, uh, change do I need to make going from this point forward? And so the, the process that we go through with that. First, we identify a concept. Then we figure out all the different family of words that are be connected to that. Mm-hmm. Then we look all those words up. We use the NASB um, when we go through this. And we, we research all the original wording and, w- and what are the concepts and initial uh, uh, nuances and such that are coming from that. Yeah. And we get this initial uh, working definition of the concept. And then step two, we read through all the relevant passages throughout scriptures, looking for the patterns and themes and elements and nuances and details uh, that come up with that, mm-hmm. that help us answer the second question, as well as the third. It'll start making a list of all the different benefits and motivations to pursue this. Yep. And then in the last step, uh, we put everything together you know, as a group, and then we each come up with our, our own wording, but based on everything we've learned from the scripture, and we come up with a summary of the definitions and the inner workings and the benefits of the concept, and then we all commit to some sort of specific action of what we're going to do with that. Yeah, and so the results of this, one of the main results is that this just really brings out the complexity of individual topics. 
whereas the hermeneutic approach really uh, delves into the complexity of individual verses and um, exegetically working through, like you said, this is more of that overarching, what are the different facets of love? What does this look like from Genesis to Revelation? And so it really just gives you a rich working understanding of words and concepts based on that whole comprehensive picture. And it's really just so encouraging and convicting, um, knowing that you're really beginning to figure out what God actually is teaching about these different topics. And one of the things that I found personally just through this whole process is it results in transformation because of the details. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. like we keep on saying, once you start applying the details of the Bible to the details of your life, you can actually begin to have that transformation that comes through obeying scripture. And so that's one of the biggest things that this really results in and that I've been able to even see personally. And then also, you can't do this on your own. We've right. talked about that right. before. It, it, it won't work. Uh it w- or it won't work nearly as effectively as it could if you do it within community. And part of what comes from community is just being able to bounce ideas off different people, but then also just that tight bond that forms when you go through and study scripture together. It's just so uh, cool to see how the Holy Spirit uses it as you go through them all. And it's interesting because each of these three uh, different techniques, there's a place for them. Right. And there's a time that one's more beneficial than the other, which we even talked about with like Bible translations, how sometimes you want a more literal word for word. Sometimes you want more of yep. the uh, phrase for phrase or different things. But there really is a different place for this. And part of that is because different people have different preferences yep. with what they like to use. Yeah. So so those are the the three methods that we wanted to present to you. There's more out there. Mm-hmm. We really like these three um, we, you know, we like all of them we, and we do combinations yeah. of them. Um, and so we didn't go into a whole lot of detail, but at least wanted to throw it out there so that, cause a lot of us, we mentioned this before we started recording. Most of us were never really even taught how to study scripture. Yeah. Um, we're just kind of taught some, what scripture says or what it means. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so teach, give a fish versus teach how to fish. And so we want you to know that it is a little bit overwhelming at first, but if you take these intentional methods mm-hmm. um, and find a combination that works for you or whatever, it can really go a long way in helping you understand that. So one little note I'll make on this. So we, you know, we did this about a year ago. We did a two-part. I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. did a two-part workshop on this. So when we went through the second session and we presented all these things, and we took like two hours, we kind of went more into detail. Yep. I did a little survey. I said, no, so given these three approaches, uh, let's do. A little, there's about 50 people in that workshop. Um, would you, w- which one of the three or a combo? Would you prefer to, you think, you know what, I think this would really work for me. Mm-hmm. And so in the 50, we found that um, 37% voted for the combo. 37%, I'd want two or more of these. Yeah. Um, 28%, about a quarter of them said, I actually really like the love letter approach. Mm-hmm. I think that would do a lot of good just, just to take that one. Um, 12% actually liked the unpacking, right, this methodical kind of process. And this was so interesting. Only 5% mm-hmm. actually voted that I would only want to do the hermeneutical approach. Yeah. Even though you and I both have grown up in environments where we're taught that's the only way, yeah. only 5% actually wanted that as the only way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of those, so of the 37% that wanted the combo, now of that combo, the majority of them definitely wanted the, the, the hermeneutical approach to be their primary. Yeah. Um, I think the love languages had the next vote and then, and then the unpacking after that. But it was really kind of cool getting to see these 50 people recognize, you know what, I probably need a combination of these things depending on the mood that I'm in or the group mm-hmm. that I'm with, et cetera. So I want to encourage you, there's not one correct way. Um, yeah. and, and to try all these can, can really go a long way. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that was a little side note I want to make on that. So the ne- this last section that we want to go through today um, is just want to give you some key resources. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'll probably try to upload this document so you can have them written. Yep. So we're just going to rapid fire this right now. But here's a bunch of different resources that you want to bring in as you're taking one or more combo of these approaches. Yep. So the number one resource by far is the Holy Spirit. We could do a whole For sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, unpacking on that, which I think we will one day. But mm-hmm. um, just know that you want the Holy Spirit to be there with you because he's going to intercede for you and actually open your eyes and illuminate you mm-hmm. to educate you and encourage you, equip you and train you in the specifics of it all uh, and to kind of keep you guided with that. Uh, so make sure that, that, you know, from the Psalm verse, Lord, open my eyes that I may see the wonders of your law. Ask the Holy Holy Spirit to join you in this process yeah. uh, and let him actually lead you in your discovery of scripture. For sure. And then the other, the next part resource that we think is really important is something that I've actually mentioned a couple different times now is just that community of wise believers. Mm-hmm. And so, because uh, w- honestly, we don't have time to go through scripture and learn all the lessons on our own. Right. And it actually we wouldn't be able to get as complete of a version if we were to spend all of our time doing that. It's much more valuable to actually sit down with a brother or sister in Christ and go through scripture together and study in uh, a group because then we're actually acting as the body of Christ, which is the whole point mm-hmm. of being a believer. Uh, and so just really, it, it does take humility to sit down and say, I don't understand all this. I need your help to come through, and together we can actually figure out more than we can ever do on our own. Right. Like, let the hand be the hand and the spleen be the spleen. Mm-hmm. And so if there are people who are experts in technology and they've created some really cool software yeah. to help you understand the Bible, don't create your own software. Mm-hmm. Let let these experts do it, right? Mm-hmm. Or somebody's dedicated their life to understanding Hebrew. Yeah. Then let them teach you you know, what, what these, these definitions are, et cetera. Yeah, and so now there are so many resources out there, and uh, we've compiled just a list of them that we both personally use and we think are really valuable. And so we're really pretty much just going to list through a lot of these, maybe give a short little description. But uh, And we're not getting paid for any of this. No, this is just the ones that we actually really like. Yeah, uh, and so just here's some that we know of and we would recommend you guys using. The first one is just eSword software. And so this is actually a free Bible software that does a lot of different things with original languages and makes it uh, accessible to actually really do a lot of the hermeneutical type stuff. Yeah, I do a lot of my research with my languages there. It's free to, to, to download. Then there's some add-ons that you can purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, but it helps with a com- bunch of commentary, the dictionaries, et cetera. Yeah. Um, Logo software, it's the kind of the creme de la creme. Um, and they've got all these different like levels that you can buy um, with all these different resources. I actually, I forget what it's called now, but I get the one where I pay like, a, I, I kind of rent it. I yeah. pay like a, like a monthly fee or an annual fee, and I don't get access to all the resources, but I get access to like all the language stuff, which is what I really wanted. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like $108 a year or something crazy. It's worth every penny. Right? Yeah, and I think there is also, they just released a free version of that, so you can get a basic version uh, to look into the original language some. Uh, also, just the Version Bible app, uh, you can download that on your phone, and that's yeah, my, also online. My church uses that for their sermons. Mm-hmm. Um, Glow Bible, uh, it's a very visual, very colorful, uh, very just, just if, if you're more visually stimulated, they did a great job with that. That's at, um, you can go to glowbible.com and, and get that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's thebibleproject.com, which is just site. art. They're so creative, and they uh, go through and just explain uh, books of the Bible. And then they even, I believe, have started doing different themes of Scripture as well, uh, just explaining those in video form. If 
we're going to give you this long list, but if there's only three you can get, get eSword, get Logos, and go to BibleProject.com. Yes, yep, for uh, sure. Those are, those are the big three for me. Uh, Bible Gateway, long been around, uh, a lot of resources, all the different translations in different languages can be really helpful, BibleGateway.com. Yep, StudyLight.org, and that's a commentary site. I, I use that one actually a lot in my research. Uh, HebrewForChristians.com, it's the number four in, the, in that address. Um, they give a lot of the cool stuff about the Hebrew language and things to learn about it. Yeah, uh, the Crosswalk Lexicon, which is Bible, the number one, dot crosswalk, dot com, forward slash lexicons, forward slash. Uh, and that has a lot of different resources and just different materials. There's also some great books that you can get, um, and an exhaustive concordance. A whole bunch of different versions out there with different translations, mm-hmm. but the concordance actually will give you like like a list of all the different words and type, when they're used and how they're used and that kind of thing. There's a lot of information with that. Yeah, and uh, just one specific version of those that we've both used in the past is the Strong's Concordance. Yep. There are others, like you just mentioned. Yep. Uh, there's also topical Bibles, which, again, many different versions, but they just have a list of different topics and passages that deal with those. There's an older book I really like. It's called Haley's Bible Handbook, and you can get different versions. I have the deluxe edition. It's color-coded. It, it goes through each book of the Bible and gives you some cool information historically and spiritually about it. There's also a user's guide to Bible translations, making the most of different translations by David by David Dewey, excuse me, uh, and that just really goes through a lot of what we talked about the last season, understanding the different translations and where they came from. Uh, and then there's Learn the Bible in 24 Hours by Chuck Missler. So Chuck Missler actually had a radical impact on me with a lot of my stuff. Uh, I always joke Chuck Missler's kind of the, the weird, odd uncle of the scholar family. Uh-huh. This guy knows his stuff and, and Learn the Bible in 24 Hours. Cheesy title, one of the first books I read after I recommitted to God, really set me on a path of just awe. Um, and then also he has a whole bunch of commentaries of the yeah. Bible. Um, and you can go online to um, it's khouse.org. Uh, but if you go to resources.khouse.org forward slash commentaries forward slash, um, you can you can download them and or buy them on CDs and that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Tons of information. Missler just goes over the top with the volume of stuff that he presents. Yeah. And then there's also the Holman Bible Atlas, which, I mean, really, that just helps you visualize Scripture and see a lot of the different maps and different things like that. Another book I, I have, uh, Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Manners and Customs, How the People of the Bible Really Lived. It's edited by Howard F. Voss. Uh, it's a lot of background with some of the culture and historical stuff of like painting a visual of what life looked like in the different parts of the Bible. Yeah. And then there's Erdman's Dictionary of the Bible by David Noel Friedman. Uh, he's the editor of that. And that's just a really well done dictionary that um, provides a lot more resources. Uh, Kaiser David's Bruce and Brock put together a book called Hard Sayings of the Bible. And so some of those controversial passages, uh, like what does this mean? They give some insights on it. Yeah, there's the New American Commentary Series, uh, and that's on both Old Testament and New Testament, just working through the Scripture uh, verse by verse. Uh, A theological dictionary like Baker's does one. That's always a good thing you can use. Yeah, and then also just study Bibles uh, allow you to have a different perspective um, from other different theologians and pastors. Uh, and then we'll just repeat this again, gospel-centered communities and mm-hmm. study groups, just doing this together, um, just leaning on other people to go through this. Yeah. Um, so you have the Holy Spirit, you have leaning on others and all their knowledge. Um, another th- another resource that's really helpful is meditation. Mm-hmm. And we're not really going to spend a lot of time on this one today, because when we do the prayer unpacking, we'll get more into it. Yeah. Um, but like after like, you know doing your studies and reading through a passage, just meditating on it, which can include actually murmuring it, mm-hmm. like repeating it softly under your breath, and just 
just chewing on it. Um, I'm not going to go through all my, all my notes have, that I have here because I know we're going to go through that when we do the prayer thing. Yeah. Uh, but the Bible, especially in Psalms, continually talks about reflecting on and, and, and pondering in your head or even verbally, like in mantras. Taking time to do that uh, will go a long way in helping you understand Scripture. Yeah. And then uh, for one of my classes, I had to read Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald S. Whitney. And he talks in there about prayer and meditation, studying scripture. And he quotes uh, Peter Toon, uh, who was a British writer, and he summarized the view of the Puritans uh, on meditation. Mm -hmm. And this is what he says. He says, to read the Bible and not to meditate was seen as an unfruitful exercise. Better to read one chapter and meditate afterwards than to read several chapters and not to meditate. Likewise, to meditate and not to pray was like preparing to run a race and never leaving the starting line. The three duties of reading scripture, meditation, and prayer belong together, and though each could be done occasionally on its own, as formal duties to God, they were best done together. I like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that says a lot. Um, and then the last resource that we want to suggest to you is just obedience. Yeah. Um, go do it. So when you're reading a certain passage and you're trying to come up with what it means and then the implications and application, and you're trying to do all this out, one of the greatest things you can do is to go ahead and test it mm -hmm. and just try it out. And maybe you got the right understanding, but like the wrong application or, or yeah. the wrong way to carry it out. But by trying it out, you can work the kinks out, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe you actually had the wrong understanding. And once you actually start testing out, oh, I know that I can't mean that. And you actually learn what it really means through the testing of it out. Now, this means you're going to make mistakes in the process. But apparently, according to Scripture, your sins are forgiven. You know, if yeah. Jesus is your Lord. So if you make the mistakes, you're forgiven, mm -hmm. right? And I think God appreciates the stumbling, bumbling, you know, forward, forward, uh, yeah. falling process of, of just testing the stuff out. So that, you know, the, the wise builder builds his house in the rock are, are those who actually mm -hmm. uh, read what I say and then, and then go do it. Yeah. So just go test it. Go, go try to, you know, uh, apply it. Um, it may seem scary, um, but I have found, by the way, when I've done it, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. It can't mean that. That mm. seems too hard. But apparently it's saying that. So I'll give it a shot, and then I give it a shot, and magic, wonder upon wonders, it actually restored my relationship, you mm. know. Um, and so just want to encourage you, it's a great resource, that obedient action, um, to actually go ahead and, and give it a shot. Yeah, and just that whole idea of iron sharpening iron and doing that in a community with believers. As We keep coming back to this community because we are the body of Christ, mm -hmm. and we need to be uh, not just trying to do it on our own because once we try and do obedient, when we try and obey Scripture on our own, it's really easy to rationalize and like do all these other things and fall away from that. But when you have someone keeping you accountable, you can actually keep doing that as you move on. So that's it. That's that's just a quick highlight of the things that we wanted to cover in this episode of just how to go about studying Scripture. So the, and it'll help you better explain or help understand what we have done. Mm -hmm. So as we go through all these rest of these episodes, you're like, oh, you guys are crazy for concluding that. Yeah, You can come back. We don't just say to do this. We've actually used these. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you can get some more insight into kind of how we do the way we do things, right? Um, and so to wrap it all up, the last thing I want to say is be flexible and patient with this entire process. Um, there's not one correct way you know, to, to, to do it. It's not one correct approach. So consider different mediums. Maybe you're old school and prefer the print. Maybe you prefer audio. Maybe you're visual-based and look at stuff on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Consider other approaches. You know, we, we, those are the three big ones that we love, but there's, there's yeah. other ones out there. You know, there, is, there is time for the intense study. 
Um, there's also the time for the relaxed encouragement. You know, mm-hmm. read the NLT and, and like I'm not actually going to do a study. I just want to read, yeah. right, and be encouraged by that. Um, and obviously some kind of balance or combination that resonates with you. Realize that this is a slow, baby step, two steps forward, one step back, lifelong approach. Don't sprint to master scripture. Mm-hmm. Take your entire life, all the millennium, and the future eternal kingdom to master scripture. Yeah. So just don't be over overwhelmed by this. It's just little bite-sized chews. God loves it. That it's not all or nothing, as long as you're taking those just those little things to do. And then let it culminate. Let, let, it, let it build on each other, mm-hmm. right, and, and add, add to itself. And just that continual practice of the presence of God. Uh, Brother Lawrence, there's a great book talking about from an old Irish monk uh, or priest, yeah. uh, and practicing that presence of God via, via both Scripture and prayer. And, then we're, you know, again, we're going to do a whole, a whole uh, unpacking on prayer as well. Uh, and combining those. And just take that patient baby step approach through this, and you're going to find over time— things are going to change. Yeah. And as we ended the last episode, we talked about uh, you have to deal with who Jesus is. And there was the different options for who he is, myth, uh, maniac, or master. And there was five of those. But really, as you study scripture, you come to a similar problem. And you have to figure out what are you going to do with the things that you learn and the truth that you're presented with. And I mean, really, there's four options here and you can ignore it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just say, meh, well, okay. Mm. I'm not even going to study it. Whatever. Uh, you can reject it. You can just say, I understand what that means, and I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can redefine it. You can say, you know, mm, yeah, it might mean this, but it could also mean this other thing that and is like much more better. convenient yeah. for yeah. me. Uh, I can rationalize things. I can do all this. I, I can just redefine this. Or as we study Scripture and take an honest approach to figure out what it means, we can actually just uh, submit to it and recognize that it is the authority that we need to be holding in our lives. And we need to recognize that this is the word of God and this is what he's given to us, uh, basic instructions before leaving earth. Mm -hmm. And uh, we need to just put ourselves under it because it can do more than we can on our own. We might not understand why all of these different rules and regulations, which if you listen to season one, you know that that's not our perspective on what the Bible teaches. Um, But there are things that there are guidelines and Mm -hmm. don't go outside of these guidelines. And this is why. And as we submit to it, we can actually figure out this is why we're not supposed to be doing that. This makes a whole lot, a whole lot more sense as you actually begin to submit. Yeah. So, so that's it. Um, if you got questions, you can go to our website, rekindlingministries.org. You can email us at info at rekindlingministries.com if you want to get more information on any of this stuff. And so we encourage you to kind of test all this stuff out. Um, next episode, we actually dive into the first concept. Yep. So we, we explain the process of it all. We explain why we're going to Scripture and mm-hmm. how we go to Scripture to conclude all these things. Uh, and so this very next episode, the very first concept that I wanted to do is hope. Um, holding on to those positive expectations because hope is what's going to drive you in the right direction. So tune into the next episode to learn what does the Bible have to say about hope. So we love you guys, and we'll talk with you later. See you next week.